Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 416 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? Well, I am excited to talk about this topic today, field trips, because I just chaperoned what is possibly the last field trip I will ever chaperone? Maybe there'll be something more in high school to to chaperone, but I don't remember my other high schoolers wanting or needing me for that. I mean, this is so great because we were together just last week in Texas and you were talking about this. And I admit I was surprised that you were chaperoning a field trip. And not just because, as we'll get into later in the show, it's not it's not our favorite, yours or mine, to to chaperone field trips. But also I was actually surprised Clara was going on like a, like a traditional field trip, not even the whole, like, like a um, trip to DC and we'll get into those types of things, but like an actual, like a day field trip. I was surprised. Well, they don't, I mean, they definitely don't have them as much as they used to. And even at the elementary school level, I feel like when my older kids were in elementary school, there were tons of field trips and they really scaled those back um, over the past like five, six years. But there is one, this is actually in my sister-in-law Jenna's science class. So eighth grade science. They, every year in the fall and in the spring, they do a salmon, like they, I guess the fall one must be collecting the eggs or something. And then they grow them and then they release them back into the wild. So there's continuity there. There is. So there's like a spawning thing, Uh event, (laughs) and then there is a, um, a release event. And so all of my kids, at least my youngest three, if not my youngest four kids, Definitely all did the same trip, um, but this is the first time that I chaperoned and it has a bad reputation for just always winding up on like the nastiest, coldest, rainiest day of the week, um, which was the case for us. Although another group is out today and it's 60 degrees and sunny. So oh, lucky good them. for them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was like 
miserable and fun at the same time, I guess. Can you I know? ask you a question about the chaperoning piece? Sure. Because you're, for listeners who don't know, your your best friend, who is also your sister-in-law, is the teacher. So I would imagine yeah. for you to loop in on this, and it's your fifth kid to go through the school, like you're a known quantity here. But right. in eighth grade, is someone sending out like a parent volunteer sign-up sheet? Or did you just kind of go because you could? Um. So there was an email that went out. So I got, I got recruited just the same as everyone else. Um, Jenna sent an email out. She sends a a Friday email to her parents every Friday and just happened to see one. It said, we're looking for, for, um, volunteers. And I just emailed her right back before I could think about it. This is a rule. Sometimes if there's something you can talk yourself out of, but you'll be glad you didn't talk yourself out of it. Just say yes right away. So I emailed right back and said, I'll do it. This was like a month and a half ago, probably. So of course, since then, lots of things have changed in my life. And I was kind of like, oh man, do I really want to commit to that today? But I did. And they did have to do a background check. So I had to do my paperwork and all that. That's Uh newer. I don't remember that being the case when my kids were younger. I think maybe they just implemented that in the last four or five years. Um, But otherwise, I mean, it was still... Uh, same procedure. So yeah. I want to say yeah, they were, were probably, like a regular yeah, was volunteer. A regular, I didn't know if it, because if it was Jenna, like you were just like along for the ride. No, no. And then, I, you know, we all met at the school, um, got our lists of, of kids and we drove the parents drove separately. And I think okay. there were maybe, maybe five or six parent volunteers. Okay. Well, um, I'm excited to dig into this because weirdly it's not something you and I have talked about personally a lot other than just alluding to the fact that this kid's on a school trip and this kid's got a right. field trip today. And we've definitely never um, done it on the podcast, just this topic alone. We've talked about school volunteering and lots of school topics, but I wanted to kick it off with a little trip down memory lane as we often do. And when I was hearing you talk about the salmon release and I had no mental picture of what you were talking about. And then I was thinking about my own field trips growing up in Santa Barbara, where I grew up and where I'm also raising my kids it occurred to me, this is not like that brilliant a thought, but field trips are incredibly regional because it it depends on where you live. And it's not just public school or private school, big school or small school. My kids have been in a lot of different types of schools that have approached field trips differently, but also just the physical locations you might go or teachers might want to take kids is going to be so different. So I want to hear what some like classic Michigan field (laughs) trips are And then I'll tell you some California ones that probably will blow your mind in the same way that salmon spawning blew mine. Well, and I will also say that I feel like I've lived in several different places in Michigan, both as a kid and as a a parent with kids in the schools. And there's sort of like the ones that are like pretty standard that everybody does. And then there's something like salmon spawning and like the teacher really has to be the one to champion for that. Like it was a very organized event. There was a local organization. environmental organization, they're kind of running it. And so Jenna had to coordinate all that. So it's like, there's the ones that are sort of pedestrian that like all kids do at some point. And yeah. then there's the ones where it's this teacher's special interest. So they're going to make sure this happens every single year, but maybe they have to get funding in some interesting way, or they have to like set it all up. So I guess I would say on in Michigan, Mackinac Island, um, which a lot of people are familiar with what that is, but it is a little historic Island between the lower and upper peninsulas. So it's like between where Lake Michigan and Lake Huron um, connect in the Straits of Mackinac. And there it's like, there's no cars on the Island. So you kind of feel like you're being transported back to an old timey time. That's cool. That's definitely something like I definitely did as a kid because I lived 
a lot closer to them, but even kids from downstate will often do Mackinac Island. Um, Chicago field trips are always big. We're, we're two hours from there. Um, I remember going to Chicago several times as a, a, a kid. Sometimes it would be like band, like a band and, or a, sorry, choir and band trip. Or sometimes it would be just like a, um, I don't even remember why. Honestly, it's one of those where I'm like, why did, was there any educational right. <laughs> reason we went to Chicago? Um, and my kids used to have, the eighth graders used to get a, a choice between um, Chicago or Mackinac Island every year. And I think they stopped doing that because Clara is not going to either one this year. Okay. So um, she is actually going to Chicago with, with orchestra, but that's a totally separate thing. Not the eighth grade group. Anyway, um, small zoos, working farms, uh, nature trails. There's a lot of that pumpkin patches. Another thing that Michigan's uh, Michigan teachers really seem to love, or maybe it's just Michigan history. There's a lot of like local history museums and like even industry. I remember going and visiting a power plant when I was a kid. Okay. I remember going to like maritime, like going to look at a coast guard cutter, like things like yeah. that. So there is, you know, we're surrounded by water and there is a long maritime history here. So a lot of that kind of thing, but not maritime, like you would think of being not in the ocean, like right. great lakes maritime. Yeah. Um, so that kind of government buildings go to the Capitol, all the kids go to the Capitol in fourth grade. Okay. Um, yeah. So that seems, I mean, that seems so typical to me, but maybe it's different from what you would have all done. Well, it's, it's same and different. And as you were talking, I was thinking, yes, as you get older, there's a lot of opportunities for, like you said, band and chorus to do some of these yeah. things. Um, but a lot of it is just the California equivalent of what you said. So yes, pumpkin patch and working farms for sure. Um, the, the heart of my kids elementary school years was in orange County, but we live in Santa Barbara. Now there's some similarities like whale watching a whale watching field trip is very common. At least I can't speak for all of California or all of the coast, but growing up for me in Santa Barbara and growing up for my kids in Orange County, both have access to whale watching and like a, yeah. you just go out on the boat for four it's hours. It's crazy because my kids I never know. would have even seen a whale. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's really fun. And you can actually take pretty young kids on a whale watching field trip. It's not, um, so a second grade I think is pretty common. Um, but I've been with, I think I've been with a kinder first class before. Anyway, um, tide pooling, which would be how we we would explore like our, you know, natural resources or natural ecosystems on the beach and lots of nature. Like you said, nature centers, nature, nature trails. A big one for California kids is visiting a mission. Um, so our missions up and down the state of California were built by um, Spanish missionaries back in the day. So they tend to be our most historic um, structures. And many of them are still operating as Catholic churches. And so when you learn California history, um, you learn about missions and you, many kids build a mission, like a, like a, their own oh. structure in fourth grade. That's like another classic California project. And you go visit one. So Violet is in fourth grade this year and she just went, they went to La Parisima, which is up in Lompoc for any central coast people, which is funny. Cause we have, um, a mission here in Santa Barbara, but I think they, either they figure everyone's been there or ours is a very um, active Catholic parish. And so it's, it's even though, which is really, it's really cool, but it makes it harder for the kids to get in and see and do some of the historical things, the way that the people used to live there. Um, so I'm not sure why they went an hour and a half away when we have one in town, but they did. <laughs> um, the Channel Islands, which are the Santa Barbara Channel Islands off the coast of Southern California. Um, you can do day trips there and those are nature preserves. 
Um, there's also like on Catalina Island, um, there's no cars similar to your Mackinac Island. So I was like, oh, we even have like a corollary there. Um, I think when I was a kid, we went to Anacapa Island, which is much more rugged and more like you, it's like a, like a national, not a national park, but maybe a state park or something. It's a state park. Um, so less to do and more naturey. And yeah. then, um, growing up as a Southern Californian, you probably end up at Disneyland or Knott's Berry Farm for a field trip, which I know not many people, um, can say, but we went with chorus in fifth and sixth grade. And then, um, when my kids were growing up we, in Orange County, we were only 35, 40 minutes from Disneyland. So they actually went, Disney would do some educational partnerships and they would go and do like a steam day that involved, you know, like Mm. half the day would be learning and then they'd go ride rides. Um, And yeah, one of my kids still talks about going to Knott's Berry Farm to learn the physics of roller coasters. And so that's, that's very unique. And the Santa Barbara kids would not go to, to the theme parks as often as my kids did in Orange County because we were really close. You know, it's funny. I, I was just thinking about the, the field trips that I went on as a kid and I just have very specific memories of going to things that were really not educational. For example, living in the Upper Peninsula, we lived right on the Canadian border. So once a year, I think all through elementary school, we would take a bus. Um, They even had a train. It might have been the train that we took. Well, anyway, we would somehow wind up in Canada. I don't remember how. Yeah. And we would go roller skating because they had a roller rink in Canada (laughs) and we didn't uh, on our side. And then we would just kind of come back across. I guess that was the whole trip. I don't really remember. We learn, I think on the, it might've been one of those like historic trains where you learn on the way up and maybe we stopped at the Sioux locks. I don't really remember. All I remember is roller skating, but that was fine. And then I definitely know that I went to Six Flags as a high schooler, I believe with my high school, with my like junior class. I don't remember why that's an amusement park. I don't think we learned much, but it was fun. Um, Clara gets to go to Six Flags this year with orchestra, but it's like for, they're going to play. First of all, she has to pay a lot of money to go and they're going to play in the park. So it's totally separate. It's not like a school field trip. Right, right. Quite the same way. So (laughs) I just wonder if there, I think that there used to be more opportunities for kids to just get out just for the sake of getting out. And that's really, um, in my experience, but it's a lot less now. Yeah, I think it's very school to school and COVID has thrown a wrench too. um, But yeah, I, I have some thoughts on that whole, like, what are we even learning? What, like, why is this part of a school curriculum that I've kind of changed my mind about a little bit? So I'll save those for later in the episode. But I know what you mean. A lot of my memories are the same. Like, wait, what? <laughs> why did we get on that bus and go to that? Place? I think they but, just felt like we needed a break or something. Yeah. And and there was more flexibility in the curriculum. So you could. Yeah. I don't think now there's now it's a much bigger deal to lose a learning day yeah. and then come back and still stay caught up with yep. the way curriculum is. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. 
Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Okay, well, let's start by talking about really little kids and field trips. So Sarah, I'm curious if you have stories or experience to share with um, preschool and kindergarten aged kids. Yeah, the, the itty bitty ones, which is so funny. Well, as I was reflecting on this, I actually remembered something that like a memory that popped out that I, I wouldn't have classified as a field trip, but it kind of was when I had a play group, like a group of stay at home or work from home, part-time working moms that were my first mom friends. When we all had babies, when our first babies were, they were all about to turn three. And then we all had like an infant, right? So we had like a, Mm. like a, but our, our oldest were not even in formal preschool yet for those of us who like we're staying at home with them. And one of the moms called the local fire station and just, she was very like, she was just like a get, get things done type mom. And yeah. like a mom who was like, well, why can't we just come visit the local fire station? So she called the fire department, um, shout out probably paradise Valley fire department in Phoenix area and said, I have a group of like seven moms with preschoolers and babies, babes in arms. Can we come to the fire station? And they were like, yeah, we do that. So we basically arranged our own field trip with our baby group. There's, there was no overarching organization. It wasn't school. It wasn't like a, like a formalized mom's group. It was just our friends. And I have great pictures and it was really fun. And that was truly my first field trip as a mom. And we had our, our, they were about to be three, I think the oldest. And then most of us had a babe in arms. Um, so the firefighters were so kind and they do that kind of educational community outreach anyway. And so little tip out there for anybody who wants to just see if you can take your little ones to the fire department. Um, after that, my kids were in Montessori preschool and that school did a like not a ton of field trips, but not none somewhere in the middle. Um, I do remember that the kids were so little and they did need parent drivers. They weren't getting a bus. And so I just remember on field trip day, there was this big uh, hullabaloo of making sure that your kids 
booster, like most of them were in those like high back boosters, like, yeah. you know, not just the butt part, but the whole thing, getting that out of your car, we'd, we'd line the boosters up outside the preschool classroom door. And then whoever was driving your kid would load in the booster. When I think back <laughs> on that now, I'm like, Oh, that is a big, that's a big production to take four year olds yeah. to the pumpkin patch. I know they did the pumpkin patch. Um, and I know Reed, he might've been in kinder Montessori. He went to the, um, recycling plant, like, or the trash, like wherever they process trash and recycling, probably not the same place. One of those garbage places he went to sanitation. Um, so that was cute. I did go on a couple of those. And then Katie on our team just mentioned this week that her preschooler has a zoo field trip. And then in our Slack channel, she was like, but you guys, every kid has to have a parent with them. So it's really not a field trip. It's like, it's like, Hey, instead of school, let's all go meet at the zoo. And I just could hear, or maybe I'm projecting a little, maybe Katie was totally excited, but I could hear a little bit that disruption that happens in your life as a mom of little kids, if preschool is your only childcare. And now all of a sudden, like you either have to, or feel obligated to participate in a field trip. It it adds a lot. Life is really busy at that stage. And that is not to say anything bad about field trips, but I just can, I felt for Katie been like, well, I guess instead of my child being in someone else's care for four hours, I'm going to the zoo, like on a field trip. I didn't necessarily want to go to. Yes. So those are some of my memories. Um, and they're mostly good memories. Pumpkin patch with little, little tiny kids is, is very, very cute. When I was done with it, I was glad to be done with it. I'll just say that. You know, I, I do remember the episode that you talked about where we were not fans of field trips. I don't actually, and it's funny, I, time could have definitely softened my stance on this. Um, I know we'll dig into that a little bit later. I don't remember not liking the idea of field trips. I liked that field trips were a thing, but I I don't like to be under somebody else's like steam. I don't like feeling trapped with someone else's itinerary. Mm. And at the preschool stage, it's the worst Yeah, (laughs) because you have like some little kid is going to try to hold your hand and call you mommy (laughs) and they're going to be really sticky and they're, you're going to have to help them blow their nose or maybe they're going to like pee their pants or whatever. And it's not like, of course I've dealt with this with my own kids, but it's just not the same (laughs) when it's not your kid. Hey, and then I also remember I, at this stage, I mostly remember things like going to the nature center. I don't remember a lot of like really complicated field trips at that age, but it would just feel like absolute bedlam. Like mm-hmm. it, it's like trying to keep all these little people paying attention, which they're not going to do um, and keep them from like wandering off. And it's just I remember thinking to myself, I would rather just take my kid to this thing. Yeah. Like I, and so when you're telling me about, I missed that message about Katie's zoo field trip. Oh yeah. But I'm thinking how trapped I would feel because I would just want to take my own kid to the zoo and do it my way instead of feeling like now I got it all the hurry up and wait in a group. And anyway, so my memories of really little kids and field trips is that they really liked them. Obviously it's great to have kids get out and do experiential learning. I love that. I would rather have my kids honestly out outside of a classroom than in a classroom at that age. Mm-hmm. So yay for all of that. Not so much yay to the me having to sort of be one of the people who's like following along with like, yeah, I being like, conscripted like I'm into the back system. To school. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, and I think <laughs> we're going to keep like picking away at this, at this natural tension. But I think for me, it helped and it, it helps even now 
to remember what you said, which is I do have a value of my kids being out in their community and experiencing the world um, that I almost have to hold that above the other things because it's objectively a hassle to remember that the kid has to wear. I remember we yes. used to have to wear our preschool T-shirt because they, they need to look alike. Otherwise, you will totally yeah. lose them. So there was like a special thing that we had to wear on a field trip day, the swapping of the booster seats or in Katie's case, now she has to go. She did like everybody, every parent had to go on her field trip. Yeah. So I think it does help to kind of like keep front of mind the, the reason this might be valuable for you or your family or your kid or other families in your community, because right. yeah. I can be quick to go to all hassle and all complaining. <laughs> well, and I also think that it's true. Like there is a, um, not usually field trips are not like what Katie's experiencing. Like usually it's, you know, one adult for every five kids or whatever, yeah. which means more kids get to go do that thing than might have gotten to go with their families. Yeah. And mm -hmm. there are field trips my kids went on. Like there was a museum in my town in St. Joe where I've lived for how many years, 14 or 15 years now that I never got around to taking my kids to. And I'm like, well, great. They don't, I don't have to because they go every year yeah. in elementary school. They go, they all walk down there and they go do it. And I'm like, it's one of those things that's, it's pretty cool, but like not so top of mind for me that it would have occurred to me to take my kids. So, yeah. um, the only time I've ever gone is when I chaperone that trip and it was great, but all of my kids got to go and I wasn't going to chaperone that trip five times yeah. times, you know, two times they all went in, in elementary or whatever, yeah. like a total of 10 times. I wasn't going to do that. So yeah. the kids got more exposure overall. Yeah. Well, let's move into the elementary school years. This is kind of really where field trips hit their stride and hopefully no one's peeing their pants and you're not like, you know, <laughs> wiping actual noses. Um, I'm thinking of like second through sixth grade. This is like really where, where I think the classic field trip, at least in my mind, is, the image is there. Um, as you alluded to, we've kind of gone on record on this podcast a few times to both just declare that we don't personally love chaperoning elementary school field trips, or maybe I'll rephrase this way of all the ways to show up for our kids, classrooms and teachers and schools. It is not at the top of our list. Um, and I'll speak for myself. That's not to say I never did it. Um, but of all the opportunities I had, I didn't do it very often compared to how I gave right. my time in other ways. So I just wanted to ask, like, it's been a few years since we've talked about that. I, there's only one elementary schooler left in our collective eight kids, and it's Violet. She's in fourth grade. With greater hindsight and kind of COVID behind us and like your middle-aged wisdom, Megan, do you, yeah. is there anything you would like to revise about this position? In other words, is it becoming more of like a rosier memory or a different memory the further you get away from it? So I don't actually remember what I said. So I don't remember how staunch I was. I think that definitely really little kid field trips were not my favorite. And I also think that for most of my kids' elementary school years, I had multiple children and it did feel like a lot for me to try yeah. to chaperone every single thing that came up or like be there for all those things. But every, so I had like certain ones I would choose and those are the ones that I showed up for again and again. And I really gen like genuinely did enjoy myself. So all of my kids went to the Capitol building, um, our state capital in fourth grade. And I went to at least three of those. I think maybe okay. John went with Clara's class, but I went at least three times. Um, all of my kids went to a working farm in third grade. 
I liked that one so much that John and I used to actually go together and we would take whatever baby we had. So Owen got to go and Clara got to go when they were really little. Um, So I feel like I, I did like it. I liked the ones I liked and Mm -hmm. I would make a point of like chaperoning the big deal ones. I think the ones that slipped through the radar for me were like the Oh, next week we're all like, make sure you pack a lunch because we're all going to go to the ice arena or whatever. And I'd be like, oh man, like that's just one more thing to think about. That said, I also chaperoned the ice arena trip. So I don't know, like my memory might just be incorrect. I remember strongly disliking third, four, you know, three, four, five-year-olds. Yeah. Six-year-olds maybe. And then not disliking it so much as they got older. Okay. Well, um, that is interesting because in my memory, and we'll link up the past episodes. I think we talked about other people's kids and being in charge. Well, just like everything you said earlier when we were talking about preschoolers, like yeah. being on someone else's schedule and being responsible for someone else's kids, especially when those kids are out of their normal classroom routine yes. and environment, when behaviors get wonky and um, kids are crying. So maybe the age, like as like you said, as kids get older, that was less of an issue for you. Um, you brought up a good point about like knowing ahead of time, which ones you want to go on. And that obviously gets easier the more kids you have and the more times you've been through a school system. But something I've learned from our audience and from people who've given us feedback is that a lot of full-time outside of the home working parents really use pre-scheduled field trips as a way to um, put something on their calendar that they can take a personal day spend the whole day on the field trip and really like get to know kids and see the kids in action. And that makes so much sense to me. Not every mom can show up for like the little class parties in between and not everyone wants to. So finding, finding your entry point into your kid's school experience. I think we've, we've gone on record to really over and over again, empower you all to figure out what is the thing you like to do and that suits your schedule and your lifestyle and your skill sets and the teachers and the kids will be okay. You like, do you do whatever feels right to you? I would say my personal position on chaperoning field trips has not changed, which is I do not really enjoy it. And it took me a while to figure out why, but the reason is I love kids in their classroom environment. I love, it's why I ended up in the elementary school library. Like I love um, learning. I love books. I love being a fly on the wall when a regular classroom is doing their thing. And as my kids were in elementary school, I started to spend quite a bit of time at their school. A field trip to me feels like someone took like a chaos grenade and (laughs) dropped it into that classroom environment. There's plenty of chaos already for me in a second or third grade classroom. Plenty. That's why I'm not a teacher. Um, so for me, I stand by it. It just doesn't suit my skill sets and my, it, it's just not for me. That's not to say I never did it. And a couple of times I was asked by a teacher I knew like, Hey, we're one parent short. Can you come on Friday to the one time I went to the nutcracker last minute? And I was like, okay, that's one that I will accept at the last minute. I went and saw the nutcracker with a bunch of, I think they were kinder or first graders. Um, so I guess all that to say, I'm not changing my mind about not loving chaperoning field trips, but I've probably softened my understanding of why dif- why different parents might feel differently and why those field trips matter and are important in a in a broader sense. Yeah, and I guess I will also say that there's something about uh chaperoning small children where I don't 
I'm not comfortable being the way I am with my kids or my nieces and nephews with like four and five year olds, which is pretty matter of fact, pretty much like, hey, get over here. You got like just I don't know. I'm not mean or tough. I'm just also not super coddly. And if it was my own kids, you if it was my children, I would counter my sort of like occasional gruffness or like directness with uh-huh. lots of snuggling and hugging yeah. like things you can't do with little kids yeah. that aren't yours, right? Or any kids that aren't yours. So it's like, <laughs> there's something about that, the responsibility and the chaos of a three, four, five, six-year-old and their needs that I can't really meet. And also I don't know how to talk to them. I feel very awkward around yeah. kids of that age that aren't my kids or my nieces and nephews or my friends' kids. As they get older, it feels really different. And I will talk a little bit about middle school, like what I noticed about middle school um, kids and how really I would say that the one I did the other day, I really, I I didn't enjoy some things about the trip itself, but I enjoyed the way I was able to relate to the kids was different and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I just remembered as we were talking a really funny field trip that happened when one of my kids was, I think in second grade and we were at a school that did very few field trips. I think it was like major budget cuts era at this time. We were later at a school that did a ton of field trips, but this school did almost none. And I think they must've just had a little bit of money in the budget for some kind of field trip. But to your point earlier about like, what does this even have to do with anything? They took the kids, they walked the kids a pretty long walk for, I think they were second graders And they walked them a mile or a little through town and they went to this guy's garage that had a bunch of vintage classic cars. And I remember asking at the end of the day, like, oh, are you learning about manufacturing? Are you learning about like um, the 1940s and 50s? Nope. It was just they just marched like 60 second graders, like a mile and a half through town to this wealthy man's garage garage and they saw these cars and then they walked to the park and had lunch and got back to school. And that, that was the height of my really not understanding, like what kind of, why are we doing this? And that is, as we'll get into that, that is a position I think I've maybe evolved or softened a little bit on because all all those kids had an adventure that day. They all got to see something outside their normal classroom environment. They got to cross the street in their town. They got to have a picnic lunch and play on the playground. And also, I do think it was in the spring. It was like this time of year when the teachers are. And probably this time of year, the kids need to get out. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's just funny. I guess we're doing a lot of like looking back right now and looking back. I was probably I probably had a narrower understanding of what the whole point of this was. And now I can kind of see more broadly, but I did that. That is probably the most random field trip. Any of my kids have ever been on just walking to the wealthy guy's garage who has like six classic cars. I also think it's telling, um, that you prefer to be in the classroom in that environment. You enjoy kids in that environment. Yeah. And I do not like classroom environments, never did, even as a kid, and would think of like any chance to get out of the classroom and go do literally anything besides be in the class to me was like, woohoo, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that colors the way I look at any opportunity to get out and do something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. You kids, they don't get enough chance to do that. And um, I know we'll talk about this in a minute when we start talking about the middle school kids, but I was really struck the other day by um, just how how loaded these kids' lives are 
Yeah. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it there for now. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, so if people are curious, the episodes where we have um, declared our feelings about chaperoning field trips are episode 21 from way back in 2015, episode 174 in 2018, and then probably some in episode 245. All of those are about school volunteering and finding ways to uh, show up for your kids and show up for your kids' teachers, but also kind of retain your own um, sense of self as you move through yeah. that and not feel like you have to do the thing. That's what I, that's what I just internally react against is I don't want anybody to feel like they have to enjoy the pumpkin patch chaperone gig because that's what they think a good mom does. That's the part that I don't like. It's not that I care if you love the pumpkin patch field trip. It's just, I want everybody to know you don't have to love it and you don't have to do it because there are other ways to be involved. So yeah, um, you can hear us talk all about that in those episodes and we'll link those up in the show notes too. But Megan, here's where I actually want to show my, I, wa- I want to tell you how much I've grown in this area. Um, I feel like I am starting to see 
how field trips are not necessarily about the thing that you are learning. And this is what took me so long. But in the same way that we talk about family travel and like family travel with kids is not always fun, but it does usually create some lasting memories. And there are definitely like life skills and lessons that are learned through that chaos grenade that I talked about. And I think yeah. field trips are kind of the same. So we um, got a voicemail from a listener that I want to play um, who's a middle school teacher. And I just think kind of drives home this point. So I was a teacher and I taught seventh grade. We used to take the eighth graders to DC for three days and two nights. And, um, you know, we lived five hours away from DC. So it was a long bus ride and get on the bus. And we would drive down there and the kids would have a really great time. It was very memorable. Um, but one year we were down there and I was talking to one of my other chaperones. And all of a sudden we saw all the kids in this huge circle chanting, do something crazy, do something crazy. And my friend and I looked at each other and started running towards that circle. Like, what could they possibly be doing? They're chanting, do something crazy. Is someone getting beat up? Are they drinking? What's happening? Um, you know, and we busted into the circle and literally nothing was happening. They were all just staring at each other, yelling, do something crazy, do something crazy. Um, and that became obviously the theme of the week. And for years when we taught, um, we would always say to each other when we passed in the hall, do something crazy. Um, to the point where now it's like a hashtag. Anytime anyone posts anything, we just post hashtag, do something crazy. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. I, all of my kids, um, so far, I believe all of them, except for maybe Owen didn't want to go. Oh no, it, it was COVID. <laughs> I was going to say maybe Owen didn't want to go to DC. No, COVID didn't want him to go. But anyway, all of my other kids and Claire is going to be going, um, did a field trip to DC at the end of eighth grade. And I mean, I hear the craziest stories out of these kids <laughs> about, just being obnoxious and dumb and like the way our school does it, they drive, they like leave Michigan late in the afternoon. They drive to Chicago and get on an airplane at like midnight. I think it must be the cheapest wow. flight there is or the one that can accommodate all these kids. And so then they fly, they fly into DC essentially like at 4am or something. And then they all go into the bathroom in the airport and get changed into fancy clothes. And they go to the tomb of the unknown soldier. Oh, wow. And I'm good friends with the teacher who organizes this trip every year. He's an amazing teacher, extremely into history and like, like knows his stuff. But I always want to ask, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> like <laughs> keep a bunch what? of 13 and 14 year olds what up all night. What did you think? And they're all mainlining like Mountain Dew on the plane. I mean, like, what did they think? So every year there's some story about kids who weren't, who weren't, you know, respectful enough at the tomb of the unknown soldier, which I understand is a big deal, but I also, am just kind of like, huh, interesting yeah. choice. So anyway, who knows why it is that way? Um, I think that all of my kids have had a really great time. It is a whirlwind trip and it's, and I love that story because it just reminds me of like, I feel like as a teacher, I would be super nervous and like so on edge that something was going to go terribly wrong. If I heard let's yeah. do something crazy because it really could be crazy. Yeah. I loved that voicemail so much. And I do think that these unexpected parts of the adventure, the staying up all night, the having Mountain Dew on the airplane, the, your friend, like getting car sick and th these stories that come out of 
field trips, especially for older kids, is part of the learning. Like that is part of what I think most of us want for our kids is to leave our nests and then even leave the nests of their classroom a little bit. Yeah. Um, and see what happens in the world. And that doesn't always look it doesn't always look pretty and it doesn't look like classroom learning. And I think that's the thing that I have had to come around to. Well, that's um, a great segue into talking about this trip that I just went on with Clara's class because um, it was really interesting. So again, the weather was not ideal. It was about 39 degrees and drizzling on and off raining for most of the day. And we were there. It was a long day. Yeah, you looked you sent me some pictures. It looked yes. wet. I was soggy. Um, and I, I didn't really quite dress warmly enough. I think I had a little bit of that, like it's may, how bad can it be <laughs> optimism, which it can be bad if you're standing around outside in 39 degree rain for, you know, six hours, you will get cold. So, um, and of course, eighth graders notoriously don't dress warmly. So anyway, it was the, the burden on me, the lift, as you might say, was relatively light. So I had a group of eight kids. I think it was eight kids. And my job was to kind of keep them on task, make sure they went, you know, we kind of, they started, they did the salmon release and then they went around these stations um, in groups and at each station, we were there for like 30 minutes and they would like at one station, you would test for water quality and learn how to do that. The next one, you would look at algae under a microscope and the next one, you know, so just kind of yeah. going around when you learn how to cast a, um, a fly and, or not a fly you know, cast your line and, and yeah. like how you, um, fish. And like, there was, I think six or seven of those. And what I found really interesting was to see the kids that absolutely thrive in that environment outside of the classrooms, the one that were paying attention or like just seemed really happy to not be in a classroom. Yeah. And the ones who were miserable and just wanted to be back in the classroom, you could just see, like, you could yeah. see it all over their body language. Um, I think it was really good for me to be reminded that like, I'm not guaranteed comfort. Like yeah. I was kind of annoyed. Like, why am I here? Yes, I'm chilly. Good if if yes. I was home right now, there's no way I'd stand around. You know, why isn't this more efficient? We're at yes. these stations too long. Why are these 30 minutes? Why aren't they only 20 minutes? Obviously this doesn't take 20 minutes. Like all of the little annoyances, like building up in me. And like, if this was up to me, if this was, a, if it was my daily trip or whatever, it was my outing, I would never stand around in the cold, but it wasn't my trip. I, I didn't get to plan it. I volunteered to do that. So I had to suck it up and like yeah. do what all the kids were doing. And it was just interesting because I had just talked to, um, Dr. Lisa Demore, uh, for an interview that we will, we will publish at some point, um, in our feed. And we were talking about kids and emotionality and teenagers. And she was just saying, think about like what a, a teenager, like what they're dealing with all day at school. Like they're on someone else's schedule. Yeah. Somebody else is calling the shots all day long. They're herded from classroom to classroom. They didn't ask to be around these people. They didn't ask to do any of this stuff. Like, mm -hmm. and so from the moment I walked into that school in the morning to get my name tag, I was like, that had been just the day before, I believe that I, or maybe like a couple of yeah. days before that I had done the interview. And I was like, man, this is a madhouse. Like there was yeah. nothing about the school environment that to me seemed like fun. <laughs> so then to get out of that and see some of these kids who, you know, Jenna kind of told me like when she was giving me my eight kids, I said, she's like, you've got a couple sort of, you know, naughty ones, but they're fine. She's like, just, just 
be nice to them. Like, you know, yeah. just be personable and they'll be fine. And those kids were the ones, like the ones that I'm putting naughty in like big quotes. Yes, air quotes. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, they were great. They were really engaged. They were fun. They like, they liked talking to me. They were, you know, fun to talk to. Sometimes they were a little obnoxious, but who cares? Like we were outside at a park, yeah. you know, it didn't matter. They were allowed to be mm-hmm. who they were. And I think like, I was just thinking how valuable that would be like for one day to not have to hold it together yep. all day and to keep and keep in line and do the thing. Um, I think for some of these kids was a big relief. And I think some of them actually learned a lot. And then there were kids like Clara who sat there miserably taking notes for her whole group. <laughs> like, you know, doing I wondered all the work. which one Clara was. I was going <laughs> to ask if you didn't nope. bring it up. Like, which... she was miserable. She did not want to be there. She sat and wrote like she had a group of three and she did took every single note and did all the work the whole day. I watched her. Yeah. And um, and just wanted to be back in class. Like she yeah. just didn't want to be there. And I thought that was so interesting. So yeah. anyway, um, one other thing I did notice, too, is that there were other adults. I don't even think they were they weren't. They definitely were not teachers. I don't even know if it was another parent. Might have been someone with the organization who like truly seemed to not want kids to have any fun. And there was one mm. moment where we were yeah. doing a lot of waiting around and the kids were we were all really cold. And a couple of kids said, hey, do you mind if we like run? And I said, no, just run down to that tree and run back to me. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> and they started running and she stops. She's like, get back to your group now. And I said, I've got it. And she just kept yelling. And I said, hey, I'm in. I've got it. I'm like standing right here. They're not going to run away. Yeah. And so they came back over with these like big eyes. They're like, I can't believe we just got yelled at. And I just felt bad. Like, guys, it's like a field. Like, what are we supposed to do? They're they're kids and we're in a park. Yeah. Yeah. What do you expect? So anyway, I don't think that particular person was great with the uh, unpredictable nature of the field trip. So maybe they'd be better off in a classroom environment. Yeah. Well, there's so much that you just brought up that I agree with. And I think it's so valuable that you as a learner and a student were probably different than I was. And our kids are all different. And it's really, really useful to see different kinds of kids in that environment. And every time I've given my time in any way to my kids' schools, I'm like, oh, right. Like this school is not filled with you know, 200 versions of my kid, it's filled with 200 kids with totally different needs. And we haven't even gotten into like neurodiverse kids or kids with, you know, special needs that make, uh, field trips even more complicated, um, but just as essential. So it's really cool that you got to just see all of that. Um, and I loved, I loved hearing it. And speaking of kids who learn in all different kinds of ways and kids who may have special needs physically or developmentally, um, I asked our contributor, Ashley, from the Mom Hour team to share some thoughts about field trips because she wears two different hats, both of which are really relevant to this conversation, Megan. Ashley is a kindergarten teacher and has been for over a decade, um, and she is also mom to a fourth grader who has cerebral palsy. Um, and definitely moves through her school days differently using a wheelchair. Um, And so I asked Ashley to talk about field trips uh, with both of those two hats that she wears in mind, kindergarten teacher and a special needs mom. And here is what she had to say. One of the things I want most for my daughter when she's on a field trip is for her to feel like she's as much part of a field trip as everybody else. She has cerebral palsy, so she struggles with the walking aspect, you know, maybe 
keeping up with others as she could. But we strive really hard to just make her field trip experience like we would her school experience, just for her to be a part of it in any way that she's possible. Um, one of my biggest fears is her on a bus in a wheelchair because I just, if something were to happen, I worry she would be stuck and scared. And so a lot of times what we do is my husband will transport her wheelchair and um, she will ride with her aide on the bus. That just makes me feel better for a peace of mind. It also works easier because I just feel like her wheelchair is safer. And then my husband is there as well. I usually don't go because I'm teaching, but if I were able to go, that's probably what we would do. So we just also work really hard to make sure one of us is there. Her aide will always come with her on a field trip. And so she will then have two adults supporting her, which for her is kind of unnecessary, but then it also just makes sure that she is fully part of the field trip experience. Her field trips have not been anywhere where she couldn't be involved. She's gone to a zoo and um, to a local park called Bush Wildlife. So all of her field trips have been really easy to include her in. As a parent and a teacher, part of the things I just have to remember is you have to be flexible. As a teacher, the weirdest experience I've ever had, I teach in Missouri and we were going to a pumpkin patch in Illinois. I teach kindergarten. So we had three buses with five classes. Each bus had two classes and the bus I was on had one. And I don't really know what was going on with the bus driver, but she was confused and um, she pulled over because she wanted me to go give directions to the bus behind us and the bus behind us was going to take the lead. And so I got off the bus and she drove away. So I'm in the middle of nowhere in Illinois. And so I thought, okay, the next bus will just get me. Nope. They drove past me too. So I was standing there going, oh my goodness. And I'm like waving down the third bus, like, please get me, please get me. And they luckily stopped and picked me up because this bus just drove off with my class. And thankfully parents were on the bus, but everything I had was on the bus. Luckily I had my cell phone, but I was in the middle of nowhere and I didn't have signal, but the third bus got me and we eventually got to that pumpkin patch, but oh my goodness, they're exhausting. Field trips are always exhausting. So my advice to parents is your child's going to be tired, like first day of school tired after a field trip because it's new and it's different. For parents who attend field trips, know that we as teachers are trying really hard to plan every detail and it is likely that something is going wrong behind the scenes and that's why it may feel chaotic. It may also just feel chaotic because the class is out of their normal routine and their setting and, you know, behaviors that may not have been there before are now there because there's a little bit more freedom or even the behaviors that you maybe expect to happen are a lot more under control because they know they have to be on their best behavior. Bring band-aids bring extra water and bring a change of clothes and wear comfortable shoes. Maybe bring a snack too. Definitely bring snacks. Definitely encourage lots of bathroom breaks before getting on the bus because no matter, they're bumpy. They make you have to go. Um, field trips are fun though. And if you're able to go, they're a great memory with your kids. As a teacher, they're a lot of stress. So please just be understanding and enjoy it and know that everybody's trying their best. It's a lot of stress, a lot of nerves, but they are always, always, always worth it. Well, thanks so much to Ashley for sharing that perspective. And Megan, I want to circle back to the thing that you and I both share, I think, which is we both can get impatient with systems and what we perceive to be inefficiencies. And we both think like, like you said, if I were 
if I were running this show, like we would do this. And I remember getting really annoyed at how other parents on field trips who were chaperoning field trips would look at their phones and talk to each other all day. Like that was Uh super hard for me when I, when I would uh, chaperone elementary school field trips. I just thought if we've given up a day of work or gotten a babysitter for our younger kids to be here, like we're here for the kids and for the teacher. And I probably was overly, um, overly harsh about that. But that was another thing that I just thought like this, this could be better, but here's, here's the thing. All of it goes into the experience of being away from the classroom for that day. And all of it, I think, provides the learning that the kids are needing and wanting and going to get. So it doesn't have to go perfectly to be a learning experience. And I think that's what you saw yesterday um, and what what I am gradually coming around to. You know, I also think that because I didn't have younger kids at home that I was leaving to go do this thing or because I had set the day up way in advance. I had didn't have anything else. Like I just didn't have other pressing things I needed to worry about. I was able to take a deep breath and just get over myself a little bit with the feeling of anxiety or like, or being like, why am I sitting out here for six hours when this whole thing could be four or I'm cold. I don't like to be cold. Like, like all those kinds of things. I was able to get over that pretty easily this time. Whereas when I did have a house full of small kids, every moment felt so like precious. I didn't feel like I had time to waste. And, um, I am trying to get over that in myself a little bit. I know some of that's also a false narrative that I tell myself, like you've always got time for things that you set aside time for. And, and I guess that was like a little practice. It was a little practice for me to be a little cold and a little wet and a little impatient and a little, and to realize, you know, Jenna and I were standing around talking um, at one point when I was at her station when the kids were done and, you know, they're screwing around. And she said, so many kids have come up to me today and said how cold they are. And I just told them, well, you made it. Look, nobody died from being too cold. And I was like, well, that could have also been for me because I was also thinking how cold and miserable I was. And it, I wasn't that cold, honestly. I just wasn't perfectly warm. Yeah. You're not guaranteed comfort. I love that that you said that because I feel like I sometimes move through the world um, thinking that I am guaranteed comfort, which is of course ludicrous and incredibly privileged. So it's good. It's great to be reminded that we are not guaranteed comfort. Um, something I have observed that's a real positive as kids get older and get to go on field trips and, and whether it's a, just a day field trip or something that's more of like a trip or overnight is I think these are great opportunities for your kids to stretch their, like pre-adulting life skills. And and we mm. think that happens at home. It happens a little bit at home. It happens a little bit at school. But if you think about it, schools, traditional schools are set up with so many routines and systems, which allow that they, they allow them to operate well and to educate a lot of kids efficiently, but it doesn't provide kids a, with a lot of problem solving um, opportunities on their own. What I mean by that is like, there's a process and a procedure if you forget your lunch. There's a process and a procedure if you um, get a tummy ache and start throwing up in the middle of the day. Like even the quote unquote problems that crop up at school are there's a well-worn path to deal with them, whereas a field trip will test everybody's problem solving ability. It will like like for you, put you out in the elements and where you maybe will remember a warmer coat next time. So if you are someone who wants opportunities for your kids to learn how to pack a meal for themselves, learn how to pack a suitcase for themselves, um, 
figure out how to dress for the elements, um, how to like how to move through a day that maybe doesn't have the most predictable schedule. I do think field trips offer that kind of learning in a way that it's pretty hard to get in in a classroom that's run well, like a really well run classroom is great for academic learning. It's not so great for these organic life experiences. And I think field trips are hugely valuable for that. And I've really seen that in my older kids. Yeah. And even like the cranky lady that they dealt with, I mean, there's something about the safety of being in a school where all the other adults you're dealing with are teachers or in some way associated with the school. Like they all have a code of conduct. You know, they all have a way they talk to kids or whatever. You're on a field trip. You might be dealing with a storekeeper, storekeeper. What is this like 1800? (laughs) An old storekeeper. You might, but you know what I mean? You might have like, um, Maybe there's a city bus driver you have to deal with and they're grumpy about a bunch of kids or an airline pilot or whatever. Like you just get out. The people are different too. And you have to learn how to cope with that. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. Well, Megan, I'm really proud of you for going into the elements for salmon spawning day. I still don't really understand what happened, but (laughs) that's because I'm not a Michigander. Well, they already done spawned. These were salmon that were let go. Now they're swimming and eating the little babies are they in a river they're in they well we let them go in a creek in a creek so they'll find their way they'll find their way okay good i'm gonna cross that off my list of things to worry about i think (laughs) they'll be okay i think most of them have probably already been eaten by something else but that's oh man (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh i think this is one of those situations where like it's a numbers game so you know i don't know what the actual numbers are um I guess I should have been paying closer attention, but yeah. it was a little chaotic at the moment. The the kids were carrying plastic cups to the creek to like let the, you know, the salmon go, the baby salmon. Yeah, there was a lot of shouting to keep your hand over the cup. Don't no horseplay. We don't know lose any. So I I don't know. The whole thing's a blur. Anyway, some salmon will live to get caught by a fish, <laughs> and the circle of life continues, and the field exactly. trips go on and on and on. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening today, everyone. As a reminder, we would really appreciate if you take our listener survey. It's at themomhour.com slash survey. I think we have over 800 responses right now and climbing. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. And Megan, we're coming up on Mother's Day. So you and I will be back together in everybody's podcast feeds this coming Sunday on Mother's Day. And we will talk to everybody then. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. 
Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.